All right, thank you very, very much. Our young people can be dismissed to the children's church. And uh, I think what we need to do is get uh, stocking caps, um, scarves, and uh, maybe ugly sweaters for the four of them. And um, we can send them out caroling for us on on Wednesday night, right? (laughs) Um, Amazing. And where's Russ? Russ, hey, that... uh, that muffin didn't hurt you a bit, bud. No, worked good. Worked good. Um, <laughs> just excellent. Well done, guys. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, that is one of my first Noel is one of my favorites. So, thank you for indulging me. That's great. Thank you. Um, we're in. Um, we're going to start in First Chronicles twenty nine this morning. First Chronicles twenty nine. <clears throat> Strange place to begin. Um, 1 Chronicles 29. We certainly, what we've been doing, we've been studying the life of Christ. We're going to put some of that all together uh, this morning as we, as we look at this passage and, and, and some, a, lot of, a lot of others this morning as well. But one of, all the things we've talked about, you know, even as we've studied the life of Christ even over the last year, um, I, I want us to recapture um, our amazement of what God's capable of doing. Um, sometimes we almost get the, you know, the, the Scrooge or the ho-hum Christmas stuff. Well, it's just another, another Christmas, and you know, Jesus was born, and da-da-da. You know, and, and I think we have to almost try to recapture some amazement and some marvel uh, especially in the world in which we live. We live in a world of, of fear and, and worrisomeness. If we would, I think if we would recapture the idea that we have an amazing God, that would take care of some of the fear and the worrisomeness. Just the fact that you know, our, our God is so, so amazing. And so I'd like to look at that this morning. Let, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Father, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to already how you've blessed us. Thank you for the quartet, just a, a, a wonderful job, and, and uh, thank you, Lord, for sending your son. As we think of this Christmas time, we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to uh, recapture the awesomeness of, of, of what Christmas is all about and, and what Jesus Christ is capable of doing. And Father, may that spur us to be the people that we're supposed to be and do the things that we're supposed to do. Lead us, Lord, and guide us throughout this, uh, throughout this message this morning, and we just pray that it would speak to each of our hearts in a, in a special way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, the idea of Christmas, you know, I, you know, you know people say, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And uh, the honest to goodness, the only thing I want for Christmas is uh, I want peace and tranquility in my house. That's 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 the only thing I want for Christmas. We have we have 18 coming home, and um, there'll be 18 at our house. So we're we're I want peace and tranquility is what I want for that would be that would be best Christmas ever. Um, but uh, usually people ask me what I want, and the answer is you know socks and underwear because that's all I can look forward to getting anyways. Uh, you know. <laughs> You end up, you end up losing the idea of getting toys and things of that nature uh, at a certain stage and age. 
But I did have the opportunity to help Brenda a little bit, you know, with her with her kindergarten group, um, with her Christmas stuff. And by the way, those are ten of the most wonderfully sweet, uh, awesome little kids <laughs> you'd ever want to meet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, uh, uh, but but the. But how our place here, our, 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 our place was absolutely insane. Uh, we had the Christmas program uh, uh, Wednesday night, and then we had Christmas store Thursday. Uh, the whole place was absolutely insane. Uh, these kids buying gifts for their parents for 10 cents or 50 cents or whatever, and, and then the older kids helping the younger ones wrap. It was chaos and it was crazy, but every single one was like excited, and every kid that left this building left with like a, a garbage bag full of, <laughs> a garbage bag full of toys and presents. And, and, uh, and I, I, I do need to talk to the Christmas store people because two or three of these kids wanted to buy presents for me and the Christmas store people wouldn't let them. <laughs> and, and I was like, what, what, is, what is that? I, I don't understand. And because and the little kid's like, I wanted to buy you something, but they wouldn't let me. And I'm like, yes, yes, please. Thank you. All right. Um, it was, it was uh, you know, so anyways, just, just the excitement. And, then, and literally, they've got these bags, and they've got their book bags, and they've got these big giant bags, garbage bags, and they're running out to their car, you know, uh, mostly excited because school's over. But, but the, you know, uh, to recapture some of that awesomeness um, of, of who God is, what Christmas is all about, in an adult way where we're not just, you know, overrun by the idea of Christmas and gifts and stuff, but we're over, taken over by the idea of how awesome our God is and what he's done for us. The, pa- the reason I'm starting in this particular passage is David says it better than, than I could ever think to say it. David had, a, had such a love and such a passion for God. Um, this is a passage where David is told by God, that he's not allowed to build the temple. And, this is, and, it's, almost, and it's almost childish in its, in, it, in its nature from the very beginning because David says, what I want more than anything else is to build a house for God. And, and he, says, he says, I live in a palace, God lives in a tent. This isn't right. I want to, in Jerusalem, replace this tabernacle with a temple that is fitting and honoring to the name of our God. And God says, no, I'm not gonna let you do it. And he said, but your son will do it. I will let your son Solomon build this temple. He said, David, I will build your house. Of your, of your kingdom, there will be no end. There will be somebody ruling on the throne of Israel forever that is a descendant of yours. But as far as this structure is concerned, I'm going to have Solomon build it. But you know what David did? He didn't just say, okay, well, well too bad. David assembled. He had everything done. He assembled all the craftsmen. He assembled all the wood. He had everything fixed ahead of time. He made all the contracts. He made all the bargains. He made all the deals to get the wood and the gold and the silver and everything there. Uh, and he says, even though I can't do it, it's basically my son's going to have no excuse. Okay, Everything is already in place. Everything is already set. Everything is already done. This particular passage, David is asking the people for donations to the temple. Okay, Listen to how he starts. Verse number 10, 1 Chronicles 29, verse number 10. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord in front of the whole congregation. They said, blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, for our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness 
and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. What a verse. What what an amazing verse. Look at verse 11 again. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty for all that is in heaven and all that is in earth. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. Thou reignest over all, and thy hand is power and might. In thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Look at 14. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. He says, he says but who are we to give to you? He's asking these people for a gift because God is so mighty. And it's like, what does God need from us? <laughs> he's great and he's powerful and majesty and he has victory and he's, <laughs> what is, and here, and here I'm asking these people, give to God. <laughs> what does God need? Of what? And, and I love this verse because he says, I, I, who do I think I am and who, who are we that we should be able to offer willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. He says, everything we're giving back to you is something you gave us anyways. He's re-gifting, okay? Everything, everything that we could possibly give back to you is something that you've already given to us. That, that, that all by itself, it could be the whole message, just that one statement. Everything that you and I could possibly ever give to God was something that he already gave to us first. So this idea of ownership or this is mine or this belongs to me it goes right out the window. So he says, he, it's a pretty good motivation tactic because if you have any money at all to put in the offering this morning, you know you only got it because God gave it to you in the first place. Okay, it's a pretty good motivation, pretty good offering uh, message. But he says, God is the greatness and the power, the glory, the victory. And that's what I don't want us to, that's what I want us to see throughout this. We're giving you back (laughs) what you've given to us. We've heard the story so much, the stories of Jesus' life so much. And we've heard the Christmas story so much that we almost stopped being amazed. I I, I mentioned the kindergarten, and um, when the kindergarten hears the stories of Jesus, they're wide eyed. They're excited. There's, there's one little boy who can't wait to add to the story and, 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 and make it better. Um, and, and he's usually right on with it, I mean, because he's heard it before, and it's like, did you know, did you know, did you know? And they're excited. We had a little cake for them for Christmas with 10 little cupcakes around, this, uh, around a center cake. And when, we, when they ate the cupcakes, they realized that there was a cake in the center, and they went, well, whose birthday is it? And I said, well, of course, it's Jesus' birthday. Without prompting they began to sing happy birthday to Jesus without prompting. It was just, they, they, they just did it. And these are, you know, these are four and five-year-olds. Just, they just did it without prompting. Uh, maybe, maybe this is what missionaries see and feel as they watch tribal people, you know, hearing the stories of Jesus for the first time. 
the excitement and the amazement and getting, getting excited all over again about things that we've, you know, you know, for me, it's like, you know, my mom, you know, took me to church, uh, you know, before I can even remember, you know, as far as nursery is concerned, and I've heard this forever and ever. But if it becomes old and if it becomes stale and if it becomes, you know, it's just, just another Christmas, then I think we've missed out and we've lost out. Uh, we've, you know, the question that I'm asking you, have we lost our awe and amazement? I, I want to start out, you can follow me if you want, it, but I'm going to be all over the place. Um, uh, Luke chapter 1 tells the story of Zacharias, and I want to I start with that. And Zacharias was, would, would eventually be the father of John the Baptist, Zacharias and Elizabeth, father and mother. Zacharias is in the, um, he's in the temple. Finally gets a turn. He's, he's, one of, he's, he's one of 24 different orders of priests that take turns doing things in the temple, uh, fixing the altar of incense, uh, changing out the table of showbread, uh, keeping the candlesticks burning. And, and it's his opportunity to be in there to work with the incense. And he's, and he's in this, basically, uh, if you please, it's, it's, a, it's, a 15, uh, it's a 15 by 15 cubicle, okay? All right, so I want you to get that side. You know, sometimes when we think tabernacle or temple, uh, we think humongous. Uh, this is not very big, okay? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, it's 30 by, it's 30 by 15. It's, the whole section is 30 by 30. But he's in the 30, 30 by 15. It's about half of a volleyball court, okay, uh, is where he, he, he's at, okay? If you walled off a volleyball court, it's about half of a volleyball court. And he's in there, and, and uh, it says that he's a righteous man, and it's taking his turn. His wife is Elizabeth. They have no child. Uh, they're of old age. And in verse number 10, it says, The whole multitude of people were praying outside at the time of the, of the fixing of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Um, you know, it, it is literally, again, it, it's the, literally the equivalent. I, I'm, I'm here working, doing my thing, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Okay. Um, <laughs> The, the next phrase where it says, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. No kidding. Okay, no kidding. Um, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had these stupid decorations for um, um, uh, Thanksgiving scarecrow type things. And I don't know, some of you may have had the same experience as I did, but somebody stuck one of these stupid scarecrows in the corner of the kitchen back here, Okay. <laughs> I was just sitting, just standing in the corner of the kitchen. I cannot tell you how many times in the course of a week. <laughs> Stupid. And it's like, I know it's not real. I know, but it was, it's, it's this high. And I look at it, the first thing I see is the face. I'm like, and my, and I almost get out the words, what are you standing in the corner for? Um, <laughs> and it's not... I, this was an angel. <laughs> it, I, you know, um, when, we were, when we were younger, much younger, uh, my wife liked to do little surprise things and scare the daylights out of me from time to time. Uh, she was very successful most of the time. And, uh, and I get this idea of, you know, this angel would have, I'd, I'd, I'd have been done, uh, just absolutely finished. And, and the fact that it says alarm, the word, the word by the way, is, is great phobos, Okay. Uh, Phobos is our fear, great fear, great alarm, great terror. And it says, fear not, John. Or fear, I'm sorry, fear not, fear not, Zacharias, because 
you're going to have a son by the name of John. He's going to be great in God's sight. He's going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then, of course, Zacharias gets a little bit more confident, and he goes like, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, know, I don't believe this is really going to happen. I, I'm, an old, I'm a really, really old guy. My wife's <clears throat> she's well-stricken in years. Uh, <coughs> Zacharias said, how can this be? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. <laughs> they, King James fixed that. Um, well, and then he says, verse 19, and the angel answered and said, you know, are you kidding me? Seriously, this is an angel that has come from the presence of God, standing in this 15 by 30 space where Zacharias has no place to go. And he goes, seriously, you're going to doubt this? Seriously, you have a question about this? And he says, uh, excuse me, I am Gabriel. Have you not heard of me? <laughs> I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and show you these glad times. Are you kidding me now? And behold, you are the dumbest person I've ever seen. No, I'm sorry. No, paraphrase. Uh, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak. Those are two different things. But No, they're not. I, I'm just messing with you. Um, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. <laughs> it's like, how can you not be awestruck? And of course, he, he leaves the building unable to speak and can't even tell them the, you know, what he saw and what took place. Zacharias, and this is going to be just the forerunner of Christ. Then Luke chapter 1, later, we have the same Gabriel appears to, appears to Mary and says, you know, Mary, have you heard of me? He says, no, no Zacharias hasn't said a word. Um, didn't, didn't mention you once. Uh, sorry about that. This is, again, a test to see whether you're listening. Uh, Gabriel uh, appears to Mary in Nazareth. Look at this response, <clears throat> Mary's response to the angel. Verse number 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. If God's going to talk to me and an angel's going to tell me, I, I do, it would be nice if the very first words I said, hey, I want you to know before I start, I like you a lot. Okay, that would ease a little bit of the tension, okay? Would ease just a little bit of it. Hail thou art highly favored. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Uh, the word troubled, okay, she was troubled, is the word, it almost looks like disaster, okay? But it's, it's, it's the Greek word diataraso, uh, and it means disturbed, completely alarmed, Okay? Completely. This is not like, oh, uh, Angel, I talked to one yesterday, now I can talk to another one today. <laughs> no, she is disturbed. She's completely alarmed. And sometimes our word trouble doesn't really do it. Okay? And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And so, Mary, again, uh, you're, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of the highest. Uh, he's going to rule on the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign forever. And then she asked the question in verse number three, how, how, how can this be? Her question is different than, than, than Zacharias. Zacharias is like, um, I really don't think this is going to happen. Mary goes like, I know it's going to happen, but how are you going to do it? It's like, huh, how are you going to do this? And he talks about the virgin birth. And you think about that for a minute. 
You're going to have a child without knowing a man. The Spirit of God is going to place the seed within you in his virgin birth. Uh, for, I've shared this with you before, I think, but for, for co- my college master's degree program, I had to do a, a whole thesis on the virgin birth and, uh, and you know, all the different theories and uh, is, it, is it half Mary's seed and, and half God? Is it, is it half human, half man? Is it this, is it that? You know, and all these different theories and all the rest. My overall conclusion, <laughs> because I have a tendency to simplify things, my overall conclusion is if I believe that Adam was made from dirt, if I believe that Adam got, uh, God got down in the dirt and formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam had organs and blood vessels and stuff like I do. The virgin birth is a piece of cake. Seriously. If you can take dirt and breathe into dirt and make it come to life and then you can take a rib from that was once dirt and make a woman. To place a seed of a, of a child inside Mary, piece of cake, <laughs> for a God who can do anything. And the, the final response here to it, uh, how, how, shall, how shall this be? I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. The response comes back, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And again, in this whole idea of this awesomeness of what Christmas <laughs> He, he can send an angel to talk to Zacharias. The angel talks to Mary. Tells of this incredible virgin birth. Nobody else believes it. Her espoused-to-be doesn't believe it. Virgin birth. Nothing is impossible. Mary goes to Elizabeth, finds Elizabeth. She's hiding, actually, she's hiding out in the hill country after she finds out that she's actually uh, a woman well-stricken in years with a child doesn't want to be the gaze of of everyone. So she hides out in the hills and and Mary finds her in the hill country. And listen to this. Elizabeth is the only one who gets it. (laughs) And and rightfully so because they had the amazing event with the angel Gabriel and and, and by this time, I'm sure Zacharias has found a way to explain to, uh, honey, um, you're gonna get pregnant. Uh, uh, (laughs) Somehow he's explained to that to her. It says, when it came to pass, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She knew immediately that this was true. She knew immediately this was right. The babe leaped within the womb. Now, some of you, I, 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 one, again, on, on a list of you know, 10 or 20 reasons why I'm glad I'm not a woman, uh, one of them is pregnancy. Um, uh, and, and they go, oh, well, the baby kicked me. This baby leaped, okay? This baby leaped. That's both feet, okay? Uh, and that's coming back down. Um, you know, th- this is, this is amazing. The baby leaped in the womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, not just a little bit excited, awesomely excited. And then we go to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Mary's pregnant. Joseph knows it's not his child. He knows he's a compassionate unbeliever. (laughs) Until. 
While Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry you can't take her word for it. Please take mine. Joseph, to me, is the most underrated man in all of Scripture. He's almost completely overlooked. You know, some little kid, you know, oh, what are you doing the manger? You get to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Oh, and you're Joseph, okay. Okay. Joseph. I think Joseph is the most underrated man in all of Scripture. I think he's an extremely godly man. You think about this. God the Father gave the daily care of his son into the hands of Joseph. He's the father. We make a big deal about Mary, you know, the Immaculate Conception, and, you know, Mary and all the, all the virgin birth and all the stuff, Mary the Queen of Heaven. and Joseph's the head of that family. He's the head of that household. And God trusts him, trusts in his care. Does Joseph have to be a godly man? No, he doesn't have to be a godly man because his father's God. I think he still had to be an example. I think he still had to be a testimony. I think he still had to be a godly man. Who did God choose to be the day-to-day father of this child? He's a man of integrity, a loving husband, a godly man. And even, even, even later when it's referred to, he's, he's referred to, Jesus is referred to as the carpenter's son. Not, no derogatory terms, no, no things of that nature. God trusted him with his son. And by the way, at least, at least six other children. There are four brothers mentioned, and your sisters, plural, are here. So trusted Joseph not only with Jesus, but with at least six other children. He's a godly man. But fear not. Don't be full of alarm. The word, the fear not for Joseph is, is, is uh, alarm and awe, frightened, exceedingly frightened. Uh, he, was, he was scared into believing. Then we have the shepherds, minding their own business, watching sheep. This another, is another thing that is overlooked, and it's, I think it's overlooked sometimes even by hymns that we sing. It starts out, the passage, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Please notice the, the article in the, in the first line. What's it say? How many angels were there? One. One. One angel scared the living daylights out of those shepherds. In the same way Zacharias, in the same way Mary, in the same way Jacob or Joseph, one angel, one angel. And then suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. By the way, go back one slide just for a minute. See the word multitude? If you're you're scared to death at one angel, right? Then there's a multitude of angels. Now notice, in the, uh, it's mega gigantus phobus maximus. By the way, there is no such thing. I just made that up. Okay. Uh, in the Latin or in the Greek or in the Swahili, in the whatever, <laughs> there is no such thing. But the fact of the matter is if one angel scares the living daylights out of you, what's a multitude of angels going to do? A multitude of them. Maybe the next one. Let's go. After what the shepherds saw, it was easy to go and tell. Let us go, they said. Suddenly, there's a multitude. Don't just stand there with your mouth open. Go. 
Awe must motivate us to faith. Faith must lead us to action. It was easy to go. It was easy to tell after what they said. What I saw was so awesome, I have to tell somebody. What I saw was so amazing, I have to tell somebody. How, how long do you think it took Joseph before he told Mary, man, I saw the angel too. If it's awesome, if it's great, if it's out of this world, if it's outstanding, if it causes you to be sore afraid, you can go to the city of David. There's a savior that is uh, Christ the Lord. He's, you'll find him in a manger. And they went. They did. It was easy to go. It was easy to tell. And they told everybody what they had seen and what they had declared. And then it continues on through Jesus' ministry. It doesn't stop. And this is where we've been looking at for the last year or so. Jesus is teaching. Luke chapter 2. It says, It came to pass after three days. This is Mary and Joseph. They lose, <laughs> they lose Jesus. Maybe Joseph wasn't such a good guy after all. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's be honest. How many, how many of you parents for some length of time uh, have, have lost one of your children? Raise your hand, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Unfortunately, you found him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to, I used to, my little brother was seven years younger. I used to leave him at the mall and I'd say, come, come, come. And he's just so slow, just so slow at everything. I'd tell him, I'm, I'm leaving you. I'd get in the car and I'd drive off. I'd, I'd leave the parking place where we had been before and I'd move to a different parking place. And he'd come out going. And then guilt would get the best because it's like, I, gotta, I have to bring my brother home. I, I guess I have to do this. <laughs> but, but, um, Came to pass after three days, they found Jesus seeing the midst of the doctors and hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his answers, his understanding answers. Do I explain astonished with this one? Yes. The word astonished in the, uh, in the Greek is uh, existemi. It literally means outstanding, separate from all others, beyond what is possible. And again, it's like, man... And, and, and here's the clincher for you. Uh, how old was Jesus? Twelve. He's a seventh grader. <laughs> Every teacher on the planet that's ever taught seventh graders is like, it is impossible. <laughs> it's beyond what is possible. There is no way a seventh grader is sitting here asking these kind of questions. It is outstanding. It is separate from what I've ever seen before. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus fills Peter's net with fish. And it says, when they saw him, I'm sorry, this is the last, this is the last part of the, the, the 12-year-old. And when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said, Son, why hast thou dealt with us thus? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. This one is Peter and the fish. Peter was, he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes that they had taken. And again, here's our word astonished. The word ek pleso, the ek by itself, it makes it great, like super great, like, like we've turned the volume up. Okay? Ek pleso, greatly amazed. He was astonished. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Better. So also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. 
Jesus said to Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Why? They were so amazed at what Jesus is and could do that they followed him. Because of their amazement, they obeyed, they followed, they told. Um, next one. Uh, again, this is a similar passage. By the way, the rest of these, I, I want you to notice the rest of these things that I used this morning, uh, the rest of these passages are found in the book of Mark. And, and I, I, I myself did not even realize until I started this study Mark is actually a book of amazement. Uh, you'll see it from, from Mark chapter one all the way to Mark chapter 16, in almost every single chapter it says something about amazed, astonished, overwhelmed, something. Uh, Mark, when he writes, uh, he lets people know that it was a big deal. And uh, Mark, written to the Romans, it's a book of amazement. So look at this one. And they were astonished at his doctrine. This is, this is the disciples, this is Peter again. Not just the fact, Peter was not just astonished at the fact that he filled the boat with all these fish. But he was astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And so basically what Jesus says to his disciples, you want to be amazed every day? Follow me. You want to be amazed every day? Follow me. And I don't think it's changed. I think it's the same for us. You want to be amazed every day? Why don't you trust God? Put your faith and trust in him. You'd be amazed every day. If we allow ourselves to be, if we, if, we, if, we, if we stop thinking that it's commonplace, if we stop thinking that it's just routine, you'd be amazed every day. Mark chapter one follows with uh, more teaching, I think. Oh, this is, has to do with the demons. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed in so much as they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They were amazed. And again, the word here is uh, uh, thambeo, which means surprised. We cannot explain this. We, 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 uh, they were amazed. This is the lame man. Immediately he rose up, took his bed, and went forth from them, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never saw it on this fashion. The word amazed here is uh, existemi, again, outstanding, one of a kind, never seen before. Jairus' daughter, you know the story, Jairus comes to Jesus, my daughter's sick to the point of death, please come, please come. And uh, Jesus on the way is, is detained by the woman uh, with the issue of blood, and then after that, the, the, the words come back, uh, it's too late, you don't need to bother the master anymore, your, your daughter has died. Straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was at the age of 12, and they were astonished with great astonishment. I love that, okay, that's my maximus, whatever, you know. <laughs> astonished with great astonishment. Uh, again, it's both these words, existemi and ekstasis. Uh, existemi, it's outstanding, and it's pfft, turned the volume up. Amazed. Okay. Carpenter's son, <laughs> when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence said this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto us uh, that even uh, such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Uh, it's it's like, he's, he's are you, like, what training? 
He's the son of a carpenter, but the, the teaching is so amazing. Is not this the carpenter's son? Uh, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. These are the four that were trusted into the hands of Joseph. Uh, and his sisters, are they not here with us? And they were offended at him. At least six other children Joseph has. Uh, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked to them and said, then be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. What Peter saw so amazed him that he walked on water. Peter was so amazed at the power and the awesomeness of God that he walked on water. Come to me, says, bid me to come, and he says, come. And Peter did it. So amazed, so amazed at who God is and what God has done for us. So amazed at, at, at Jesus and God that when he says, this is what I want you to do, that I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. The deaf and dumb. Jesus puts his fingers in this man's ears and spit and touched his tongue. And Mark chapter 7, as we're working our way through Mark chapter 7, you see this. He charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, the much more they, great deal they published. Because this is so amazing. You're telling me not to say something? Are you kidding me? They were beyond measure astonished, saying he had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Beyond measure astonished. Again, here's our ecstasis again. Great astonishment. Volume all the way up as far as astonishment is concerned. If you're truly amazed, you're going to tell somebody. The transfiguration in Mark chapter, if, if this doesn't do it for you, nothing will. Transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, verse number 6. Uh, Jesus is transfigured before them. He changes his image so they see what Jesus was like prior to his human body. They get to see Jesus, you know, pre-human state. And Mark 9, verse number 6 says, For he, Peter, knew not what to say, for they were so scared. Okay. You get a place where Peter has no idea what to say where Peter has no idea what to say. That's pretty scary. That's pretty awesome, okay? This event is so much that he, he doesn't even know what to say. Then we can go right down through the other ones. There's so many other stories. The rich young ruler, and, and sometimes you don't even think you would see it in this story, but when Jesus was finished talking with the rich young ruler, it says they were astonished at his words. They were astonished out of measure. They were amazed and afraid. The money changers is, again, uh, they were greatly amazed. This is Ekpleso, again, greatly amazed. The centurion, the reaction of, it's the only reaction of one who actually watched Jesus die. Uh, the only personal response to Jesus' death said, truly this was the Son of God. The resurrection itself in Mark chapter 16, as we've made our way sort of through the book of Mark as we've looked at this amazement. Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were affrightened, okay? And he said to them, be not affrightened. <laughs> you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as uh, he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, and they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man. 
for they were afraid. For fear, amazement. The word trembled here, they shook. Literally means they shook. They were amazed. Let's get the amazement back. Let's get the amazement that Zacharias had when he saw the angel. Let's get the amazement that Elizabeth had when, when she knew that this was the Christ child. And then Mary with the angel and Joseph with the angel and, 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 and the shepherds, so excited, so amazed at what they had seen that they had to say, had to tell somebody. Let's get back to, to David where he says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. What, what on earth... What on earth are we afraid of? Seriously, what on this planet should cause us any kind of fear whatsoever if we have a God that is great and powerful and glorious, victory and majesty for all that is in heaven, all that is on earth. Thine is the kingdom of God, thou art exalted as head above everything. Everything. Our God is an awesome God. The shepherds saw God's awesomeness and they went and they saw and they told. The shepherds saw God's awesomeness, they left all and followed Jesus. The disciples saw God's awesomeness and went into all the world and preached the gospel. The only answer I have for why we don't do those things is we don't see the awesomeness of God. Let's tell others during this Christmas season how awesome Let's bow forward to prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. May we never lose sight of the awesomeness. May we have that childlike faith, that childlike excitement. When we hear the stories of Jesus, when we hear the things that only God can do. And Lord, realize that we are a child of yours. And we know you. We know the God who can do all these things. How amazing is that? May we be awestruck. May we be in reverential fear. May our awesomeness that we see in you motivate us to serve you. Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name.